Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. You would not think of joining a church where the preacher did not believe in the Trinity as we sung today, God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-eternal, equal in glory and majesty, and yet some of you allow Creflo Dollar into your home every week by means of the television and the internet, and he does not believe in the Trinity as the church has accepted through the centuries. In fact, from his own website, I quote these words. The Holy Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, but three different functions. Not one God in three persons, but one God in three functions. I continue from the website. An example. Dr. Dalla is a father, a husband, and a pastor of a church. When he is ministering from the pulpit, he's functioning as a pastor, not as his wife's husband. Now that is a heresy called modalism. It has been rejected by the church since 213 A.D. You would not think of calling a man to be a pastor of your church who did not believe that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh. That God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus was totally God as well as totally man. And yet some of you allow Kenneth Copeland to come into your home each week and he clearly does not believe in the Incarnation. Again, he says, Jesus told him, but I didn't claim that I was God. I just claimed that I walked with him and that he was in me. Jesus never claimed to be the most high God. Now, you would never think of calling a pastor to this church who did not believe that Jesus was the only way to salvation. But yet, many of you will allow Joel Osteen into your home by measure by means of television and internet when he will not say that Jesus is the only way to salvation. I quote his answer to a question, What about people who refuse to accept Jesus Christ? This is his answer. Well, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe, here's what the Bible teaches, and from the Christian faith, that's what I believe. But I just think that only God will judge a person's heart. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time in India with my father, And I don't know all about their religion, but I know they love God. And I don't know. I've seen their sincerity, so I don't know. I know 
I know for me what the Bible teaches. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Why not just say, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Does not the Scripture say there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved? You wouldn't think of having a preacher who believed that the Jews did not have to believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior to be saved, would you? And let some of you are allowing a man into your home by television, by internet, by radio, or by his books, who does not believe that Jews have to believe in Jesus Christ. John Hagee. This is what he says. I believe that every Jewish person who lives in the light of the Torah, which is the Word of God, has a relationship with God and will come to redemption. Well, then why did Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? To Jewish people, no man comes to the Father but by me. Why did Jesus say to the Jewish people of His day, unless you repent, you will die in your sins if they don't have to believe in Jesus? Why did Paul preach the gospel first to the Jewish people if they don't have to repent and believe on Jesus in order to be saved? Now these examples should be sufficient enough to show you the relevance of the book of Jude and take your Bibles and turn to the book of Jude. It's a small book right before the book of Revelation. So go to the end of your Bible and work your way back, and you'll come to the book of Jude. Jude is a call to arms, a call to war for Christians. He's calling them to make war against false teachers and to stand for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Stand as we read verses 1 through 3 this morning. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James. To those who are the called, the beloved in God the Father, kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation... I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. You may be seated. There have always been false teachers. But we live in a day where false teachers, I believe, abound even more. The Bible says that as we approach the end times, we can expect this. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, But the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And then again, in 2 Peter chapter 2, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will, also, there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, 
bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false teaching. We live in a day much different than days past because of television, because of the internet, because of the radio, because of the various forms of social media, that we are exposed in a much greater way to false teachers than ever before in human history. Now think about it for a moment. A farmer 150 years ago, living on his farm, not having a radio, not having television, not having a telephone, not having uh, internet, where would he get exposed to false teaching? You know, the only place he went probably was to town once a week and the church once a week. Where would he have been exposed? But yet each one of us today has a television and a radio and most of us have the internet and by means of YouTube, there is this proliferation of false teaching bombarding the church of Christ every day. And so this book of Jude is a very relevant book. Because we as those in Jude's day must earnestly contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Now today we're going to see God's army first of all. And then we're going to see our call to fight for the faith. I call it the Christian's call to arms. We're in a war. And we need to realize it. Don't be asleep. We are waging a cultural war in this country between godliness and ungodliness. We are waging a war in this day and age among those who claim to be Christians and those who are truly Christians. There are many wolves in sheep's clothing out there that we must discern and recognize. And the first thing is we've got to understand our army and we need to understand who our commander and chief is. And we need to understand his sovereignty most of all. Our commander is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we all know how important it is that troops have confidence in their leaders. If a troop, if a soldier doesn't have confidence in his leader, he is greatly disadvantaged. But if he has complete and utter confidence in his leader, in his general, then he will fight to the death. He will march into hell for that leader. Well, we can have tremendous ultimate confidence in our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in particular, again, we need to understand His sovereignty. Now look what Jude says. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now Jude was actually Jesus' half-brother. And the brother of James, another of Jesus' half-brother. But he doesn't introduce himself as Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, does he? But he introduces himself as a bond servant of Jesus. Now this tells me something. This shows his recognition of 
the Lord Jesus' absolute authority in his life. The bond slave was the lowest of slaves in the biblical days. There was a hierarchy of slaves. The highest being the steward of the house or the house slave who would look over the affairs. You remember Joseph had the responsibility in Potiphar's house of looking over the affairs of the house. This slave was almost considered like part of the family. But then at the lowest rung was the bond slave. I mean, he was considered a piece of property. He had no will of his own. His will was to do the will of the master. And when Jude identifies himself, he identifies himself as the bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying Jesus is our Lord. He is our King. We are to give absolute surrender to Him. He is sovereign. And we need to recognize too that when we fight for the faith, we need to remember that we are fighting for the faith that our Lord Jesus established in His own life, death, and resurrection. It is the faith that He has brought about. It is the faith that the book of Hebrews says that He is the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. It's the faith Jesus established. His honor, His glory is at stake. Because these false teachers are attacking Him. They are trampling underfoot the Son of God. They are regarding as unclean the blood of the covenant. And so we need to recognize that we're being called to make war for the sake of the glory and honor of our commander, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because nothing less than His glory and His honor is at stake. Having seen the commander and His sovereignty, now let's look at the soldier's security. What I think Jude is doing here by the Holy Spirit is he is showing us how secure we are as soldiers in God's army. A soldier needs to know he's secure. He needs to know he's got reinforcements that can help him if he needs it. He needs to know that the commander-in-chief is behind him. He needs to know that the weapons of his army are greater than the weapons of the enemy and that he can count on them to be with him and to help him if he gets captured to rescue him. And so Jude wants us to understand our security in the army of God as we wage this war. What Jude does is he, he weaves a cable of four strands to show our security. We are bound to our Lord in salvation by a steel four-strand cable of security. Now, what I want you to realize is any one of these strands would be enough to keep us secure. Now, you wouldn't take but one. But when he weaves a four-strand cable, he is really showing the impossibility of a true believer losing his salvation. Here we have it in verse 1. To those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. First strand, we are the called. 
He says, to those who are the called. We are called. This refers us back to a couple of weeks ago when we saw that Paul says, to those whom he called, he also justified. You remember? We saw that this is the internal efficacious call of the Spirit of God. That when God speaks forth the call into their lives, that His Spirit comes and opens their mind to receive and understand spiritual truth. Whereas before they were in darkness, blinded by the God of this world, Satan, God speaks the light. He lets the light of the gospel of the glory, His glory in the face of Jesus shine into their lives because He says, let there be light. And all of a sudden, and it happened to you, it happened to me. All of a sudden, you understand the gospel as you've never understood it before. I mean, you'd heard it, but never understood it like this. You certainly had a perception. It's like the light came on. And not only that, but when he gives the effectual call, he takes that heart of stone and that's in resistance and rebellion against God, and he turns it to a heart of flesh that desires God. And then he takes that old wheel that is stubborn and resistant, and he energizes that will. And that will wants to call on Christ for salvation. Wants to believe. And then he implants the faith within us to believe. And those who are called, those who have received the effectual call. Again, as we saw in Romans 8, 29, where Paul says, And these whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified and you remember we said back then there's no place to fall between the cracks if he called you he's going to justify you if he justifies you he's going to glorify you he didn't say some whom he called he justified or some whom he justified he'll glorify no you called God's going to work in your life to bring you unto Himself, and He'll do so in a way that doesn't violate your will. You want to come to Him. He shows you the beauty of Jesus, and Jesus is so lovely, you don't want to live another day without Jesus in your life. He shows you the ugliness of your sin, and your sin is so ugly, you don't want to live another day under the weight and condemnation of your sin. You want to be washed clean. So you flee to Jesus. You run to Jesus. It's not like God's pulling you and you're trying to resist. No, no. You run to Jesus because you have seen the light. You have experienced the effectual call. Now, this strand in itself is enough to guarantee you'll never lose your salvation. But now Jude adds the second strand. When he calls us beloved in God the Father. Beloved in God the Father. Hmm. We as Christians have a great self-giving love of God upon us. Now this Greek word, the tense is used, is the perfect tense. What it means is God places His love on us in the past, and that love continues into the present and forever. I want to tell you three things about this love that God has placed upon us as His children. First, it is an initiating love. Who initiated it? God did. We love Him because He first loved us. He took the first step. He initiated the process. And we love Him 
as a result of His initiating love. But not only that, but it is a saving love. As we read over in Romans chapter 5, but God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's a saving love. God places His special sovereign love on those whom He is going to save. You say, but but I thought God loved everybody. He does, but He's got a special love for His elect. He's got a special love for those He has chosen from the foundation of the world to be His. Not only is it an initiating love, a saving love, but it is a securing love. Now I want you to Listen close. If you've been sleeping, wake up. You, you need to hear this. Now, this will change your life. Now, not only change your day, but this truth I'm about to share with you will change your life if you can really get a hold of it. When God calls us beloved, this is the same thing He calls His Son, Jesus. In the Scripture we read, And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. God called His Son, Jesus, beloved. He calls me as a Christian, beloved. That tells me, now listen, this is where you got to get it. This tells me that God loves me as much as, as he loves Jesus. Wow. Let me say that again. God loves me and you, if you're a Christian, as much as he loves Jesus. So I don't know about that preaching now. Wait a minute. I mean, Jesus is sinless and Jesus is faultless and Jesus always obeyed His will. And me, man, I'm sinning all the time and I'm falling and I'm stumbling. And You just don't know me preaching. No, I don't know you, but I know God. And I know what His Word says. And His Word says, if you are in Jesus, He loves you like He loves Jesus. Because He's given you the righteousness of Jesus. He's given you the holiness of Jesus. But if some of you need more proof, we will go to the very lips of Jesus Himself. Turn over to John's Gospel, chapter 17. Here, Jesus is praying in the garden. And look what Jesus says. John 17, 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me. Now here it comes. And loved them even as you have loved me. What's Jesus saying? That you have loved them, his disciples, and by extension, us as believers. That you have loved them even as, the same as, you have loved me. God loves you as a Christian and me as a Christian as much as He loves the Lord Jesus. Now that tells me once and for all that, man, my salvation is secure. 
Two things. Because God loves me so much, He doesn't want to let me go. And because God is all-powerful, He does not have to let me go. He can keep me saved. Alright, this is a formula I want you to look at. Absolute love plus absolute power equals absolute security. Because God loves you absolutely, completely, totally. And He is all-powerful. You can be confident. You are secure. Now, I didn't say, see, it doesn't depend on you, does it? Depends on Him. Depends on Him. Hallelujah. If it did depend on us, we would be undone and we would be lost. He keeps us saved. We don't keep ourselves saved. You know, the Scripture says, therefore, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Romans 8. For I'm convinced neither death, nor light, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. Now, in case he's missed something, he says, nor any other created thing shall be able to do what? Shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. False teachers may flood the world, yet Christians are secure because we have been called by God and we are loved by Him. That strand in itself would be enough, wouldn't it? He loves you. But add to, He calls you. Now we have third strand. We are kept by or for Jesus Christ. To those who are the called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Now that word kept means to guard. It means to hold firmly. It means to watch over or to keep. And so what's he saying? He's saying Christians are those who are kept and firmly held by the Lord Jesus Christ. Did Jesus not himself say in John 10, I have given them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one will be able to snatch them out of my hands. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, we are his sheep and he's holding us as a chief shepherd and no one is able to snatch us out of his hands. You can't even snatch yourself out of his hands. Much less the devil and anything else in this world. Our salvation is firmly secure in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. How, you say? Look, it even gets better. Because Jesus is always praying for you. Over in Hebrews chapter 7, look at this. Mm. Therefore, He is able, who? Jesus. He's able to save for a little while, forever. Those who draw near to Him, draw, who draw, excuse me, those who draw near to God through Him. Why? Why can He save us forever? Since He always lives to make intercession for them. Look at that. God the Father in heaven on His throne, the Lord Jesus Christ at His right hand doing what? Talking about the ball game? No. Talking about you! Praying for you! He's saying, Lord, he said, Father... Keep Homer solid. Keep Homer in the Word. Keep Homer in you. Do you think God's going to answer that prayer? 
I believe he is. Father, keep Paul strong in his walk with you. Keep Paul in faith. Don't let him fall. You think God's going to let him fall? Oh, he's praying for you. (laughs) You're on his lips. And therefore, he is able to forever keep you saved. That's why you haven't fallen by the wayside. It's not because of any greatness in you. It's because Jesus is praying for you. So that strand in itself would be enough, wouldn't it? But now we have the three strands. Called, beloved, and kept. Now let's add the fourth strand to the cable of security. We are blessed by God. Verse 2. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. God multiplies mercy and peace and love to us. He graciously provides everything we need to walk with Him and stay faithful to Him in this Christian life. He generously provides. Be multiplied. All you and I need to live this Christian life. Everything that we need. Over in 2 Peter, he talks about God, grace... And peace be multiplied, same words, to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, seeing that His divine power has done what? Granted to you some things, most things, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and excellence. You're blessed. God has already given you everything you will ever need to live this life to His glory and to grow into the image of Jesus. So, the soldier's security, we are called, we are kept, we are beloved, and we are blessed. Now look at the call arms. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, Jude wanted to just write them about our salvation, encourage them in the Lord. But while he was preparing to do that, he said, I felt the necessity. This word necessity means to be pressed. It means to be driven It means to be constrained. And he said, though I wanted to write a different kind of letter, the Holy Spirit pressed me, constrained me, that I needed to write to you something totally different. That I needed to write to you to contend earnestly for the faith. And you see that word, contend earnestly? It's the word contend, and we get our English word, agony. From that word, agonizo is a Greek word, which is a contest. It's a battle. It's a war. It was used of athletics when they would fight and even sometimes fight to the death. But he takes that word and say, that's not enough. He adds a prefix to it to intensify it. Only place in the New Testament this word is used. He says, earnestly. Contend. Earnestly fight for the faith. Give it everything you have. 
fight for the faith. Now, he doesn't say fight for faith. Not faith, it's the faith. He's not saying fight for faith. Fight to believe. But when he says fight for the faith, he's talking about the doctrines, the truth of the Bible, once and for all delivered to the saints. God has given us everything He wants us to have in these 66 books known as the Bible. No new revelations coming down the pike, folks. No new truth is coming down the pike. The faith once and for all delivered to the saints. He's talking about that that body of doctrines and beliefs that the church has accepted from the time of its beginning. The truth of the Trinity. The truth of the Incarnation. The truth of salvation through faith in Christ alone. The truth of the absolute sufficiency of Scripture. That the Word of God alone is His truth and revelation to man. And we are being called on as Christians to wage the war against those who would deny the Scriptures, who would deny the truth of God, who would deny the doctrines, who would pervert those doctrines, or who would distort those doctrines. Even as those that I've mentioned already today. That's our call to arms. Call to war. Now God's Word always calls for a response from those who hear. Now that you know your security in the Lord Jesus, the response that God is calling for you today is to join the war to contend for the faith against false teachers. Now, will you answer the call? Will you say, yes, Lord? I will fight for the faith. And if you will, then you need to commit to be here during this series as I'm going to be teaching you about false teachers. Next week we're going to see the enemy. And we're going to look at the ins and outs of these false teachers and what we need to do to contend for the faith. The response today is, will you say, God, by your grace, I want to join the fight for the faith. For your honor and glory is at stake. And we're going to have a moment of prayer. And I want you to do business with God because that's a response. You've got to say yes or no. To not decide is to say no. God's calling you. He always speaks. And when He speaks, a response is required. Will you say yes, Lord? Or no? Let's pray. And you do business with God. We do welcome you. And I'm glad that you have taken the opportunity to listen to a sermon on our internet. And I want you just to know that uh, everybody in the church is not like me. Uh, I have these fellows up here, our leadership team. Uh, This is Filiberto Medina, who is our Hispanic pastor. And our Hispanic congregation meets every Sunday evening at 6.30. This is Paul Kumar. He is our Minister of Community Connections. Uh, And to my left is Mark Baker, who heads up our Reformers Unanimous Ministry, which is a Christian addiction recovery program that meets every Friday night at 7 o'clock. So if you live in the Mableton area, uh, and it doesn't matter what 
race you're from. It doesn't matter your cultural background. I want you to know you are welcomed at Westside Church. This is where everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. Hope you'll join us soon. Thank you for being with us for this message. Each week, Dr. Stewart gives practical applications and ways to live out the Word of God. If you would like more information, please take a moment to view our website at wbcfamily.org. That's wbcfamily.org.